All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancypants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Don't want to see that shit. It's nasty. <laughs> DJ Nubis and DJ Neko with you on the Metal Tavern Radio podcast with the hordes of chaos. Flesh God Apocalypse doing some carcass there with heart work. Alright. Some things to get to today. One, a couple of things regarding Neko here. like Me? Uh, oh yeah, you. You. So, she's obviously a big fan of Kelly Clarkson. Uh, for those that don't know, Clarkson's a... Still Pop country. S- yeah, she still sings, but I don't know if she's actually touring. Now she's got her own talk show. She was like the first American Idol winner. She was the first American Idol winner. Um, she's actually a pretty good singer. Um, I didn't mind her stuff all that much. Uh, but, anyway, uh, Clarkson now does a talk show. And Which I love. And it's definitely geared for all the women, and, you know, it's not really a man show. I mean, I get a kick out of some of the stuff on there, but the last episode that we watched... It was all about everything it was I very love. It was very enlightening for me. <laughs> uh, about uh, because... women... For all the shit that men take about being gross, disgusting, no. We, we have nothing, nothing on this. Uh, I'll let you explain what happened. So... If you don't know who Dr. Pimple Popper is, she's Dr. Sandra Lee. She started out just having her own YouTube channel, and then she got her own show on TLC. And it's all about removing growths, popping pimples. Uh, Some people come in with, like, huge cysts, and she recorded them. And it's absolutely awesome to watch. I'm, no. I'm watching. No. I'm watching one right now. Removing a horn-like growth and six cysts from a woman's head. It's nasty. So, I have always watched this. I love it. I I watch the extractions. I probably because I'm insane. Well, yeah, and so are the rest of them. Because let me tell you, so Doctor, they Pimple- did this shit on the show. 
and the girls were giddy. They were all like laughing, or she's sitting there popping the zit, shit spurting out. It's disgusting. It was a tiny, tiny pimple. Yeah, but it's they... just you should have seen their faces. It was like they were in glee. It was like ridiculous. And she's dancing next to me on this on the couch, and I'm like. I don't get it. Why do you guys like this shit? It's nasty. She find, she'll she take a lot of patients, too, who have had severe... Um, it's almost like their face had turned black from so many blackheads. And she'll extract them and get them on like the right medication to keep their skin clear. It's And she's really sweet, too, and really pretty. And Hot Asian. She, she would... um. Her dad was a dermatologist as well, and before she became, came on TLC, like when she would do her stuff on YouTube, it would she'd do it for free for these people. So it was kind of like a pro bono thing. Now I'm sure she's like multimillionaire with because she just has this huge following. But it was just I love the Kelly Clarkson show, and when I heard that Dr. Lee was on there, first Anubis was like. How do you even know who this is? I said, I've been following Dr. Lee for years. She's amazing. The things that she's done. It's a—it's incredible. And second, they were all drinking wine. Yeah, that, that's the kickstarter. At the right end, there. they're all having a glass of wine. We're um, going to have wine. We're going to go pop some pimples. So it was, it was, it was, it's my kind of show. Anubis has a hard time sometimes still realizing that as long as we've known each other 17 years he has a hard time realizing that I even like metal because I am very, very... He told me I looked like I listened to Britney Spears like when he first saw me. I'm... I don't know. Maybe I just don't fit the stereotype, but... No, she doesn't have, like, nose piercings or a gothic look. I mean, she... Obviously, over the years, we both have started gathering more metal shirts and yeah but i'm just a t i've always been like t-shirts and jeans kind of gal but i mean at work and that's how we met at work i had to dress you know appropriately appropriately, like office attire so it was always like a nice outfit or something like that and i I guess he just you know i but that kind of plays into the interview i did with mike last week you know about He's a lawyer, he dresses in suit and ties, and you just don't always know that these people can be into extreme music. So, when you look at Missy, you're, the first thing you're not, you're saying is, oh, I don't think she's really into extreme music. So when she tells her co-workers this, they're like, wow. You know? I was actually discussing the Maryland Death Fest today with one of my co-workers. I don't actually get to see him often because our, our schedules have kind of like overlapped. So when I'm away, he's home, when he's etc. And he's back in town just because he has to do some training. And I was talking about the Death Fest, talking about, like, different bands. And I had mentioned Napalm Death. And he's like, yeah, they've been around for a long time. I'm like, yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. And then my cube mate is like, how do you guys even listen to that? (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle it. Are they even singing? I'm like, well, yes, they are. Well, actually, they are. They're singing about a lot of things. And Napalm Death, they have lots of... They're very political. They they have their own beliefs, and they're very based in punk. You should give it a try. And he's probably going home and downloading because he's twenty three. He's probably going home and downloading it, going, "What the hell did I get myself into?" That's that's one of those moments, and like, I would be like, "Oh, you want to hear some? I can make you a compilation. I have no problem doing that. I'll make you a mixtape." Right. 
So speaking of disgusting shit, of course we're going to dive into the new creep show series on Shudder. Uh, really excited about this. I, I saw the first episode. Each episode, I think they're going to do six, but all six are going to have two chapters basically within them. So the first one was released uh, with Grey Matter and the House of the Head. Grey Matter, which was written by King. Uh, it was okay. It reminded me a lot of uh, the creep show uh, chapter of the movies they had early 80s and whatnot, um, where King actually played a, a farmer who discovered a meteorite and ended up getting affected by it and turning all green and mossy and whatnot. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Oh, that was the one with the father who was the alcoholic and then he just started changing and eating people. Right. Okay, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, the second one, though, the first episode in the series called The House in the Head, that was really cool. Um, basically, you had a young girl in a, in a suburban family. She had a dollhouse that she was playing with. Oh, had, that was a good one, too. Had uh, figurines, a mother, uh, father, and a young kid. And... She would keep coming back to the dollhouse, and then things would be changing. Like the the figurines would be moved, or as if they were doing it on their own. And of course, then she discovered <clears throat> a, basically a, a head minus a body inside the dollhouse. It was miniature, just like everything else. So she'd start kind of talking with the figurines because every time she came back, they were in a different position. They were acting differently in their reactions. So she was like, she started to get. Uh, an impression the head was causing chaos in the house, the dollhouse. So she would try a few different things to try to help the family in the dollhouse out. So she would go to this store where she got her dollhouse and figurines. And this is where I kind of enjoyed this second part because it was a throwback to Creepshow 2 with one of the figurines that she thought she was going to help exercise the headless or the head that was in there. Uh, by getting a little figurine of Chief Woodenhead, who was a character in Creepshow 2. Nice nod back to the... Uh... Right. So I thought that was very cool. Uh, it didn't turn out well for Chief Woodenhead in, that, in this episode, but definitely it was really cool to see that, and I'm glad they're doing stuff like that. Looking forward to the rest of the episodes that come out, but if you're unaware and you have the... Roku app, uh, get Shutter. It's worth it. Uh, I think they also have Shutter available on Amazon Prime. Remember how you can uh, well, you purchase. can do it. Yeah, you can do it on their website too. So yeah, if you do have Prime, you can access it from there as well. Um, I think it's what five dollars a month. It's, something like it's that. It's not expensive, but they do have if you don't want to shell out the five dollars a month. It's really not much. Um, they have a lot of free content mm -hmm. as well, and they have kind of like a channel almost where it's always playing something right they have uh when you go into it they have like three live channels so each one of them is playing a different movie so yeah that's as she said you know if you're just want to peruse and check it out that's something you can do uh i kind of felt in the long run it was worth it just to, to pay the monthly fee because they have <laughs> we'd, a we'd run into it like oh we want to watch this movie oh you have to you have to pay for this so we just we suck it up and we, we pay it every month and I'm the type of person like if you're using it so I'd ask him every month are you using it right prime we kind of like steered away from for a couple of months but that's gonna go when it's time for Christmas shopping I'm gonna activate that again and 
you know, there's some shows on there that I know you want to check out as well, and we can talk about them, you know, down the road. Yeah, Prime was always good. It's just you had to kind of outweigh, like, how much you were using it. Because we, we got to a point where we just had so many different things. Like, now we're back to Verizon Cable, and it's, it, it has a lot of good stuff. We have a good package that we're in. We're getting a lot of good content. A lot of the channels, like, we don't even need the movie channels. we got a lot of these other channels that are really freaking good. Especially in October, because it's, you know, Halloween and all the horror stuff's coming out, so... I was watching a channel, HD Net something, and we got that, but it has, like, a lot of horror movies they're playing right now, so I'm really digging it. Uh, so it's it's tough when you have so much content, you can only watch so much of it, plus we do all this other shit that we got in our lives, so... And it's, it's crazy, too, because we, uh, we were with Com... Or excuse me, we were with Verizon for many years, and we just basically had regular tv plus we were grandfathered into this old package uh for just the sports channel so we only had the sports cable channels and regular over the air whatever the regular tv channels were and you know another comcast came in and said we got this great deal for you but the internet was so bad that our ring doorbell couldn't even connect to wi-fi yeah i have to warn you like Obviously, Comcast is trying their damnedest to compete with Verizon when it comes to the Internet. The problem they run into is they can't give you the speed. They claim they can, but they can't, and that's the problem is that... We had slower Internet it does, with it, it, Verizon and still could use our ring doorbell, but then when Comcast came in and gave us this great package, it was not expensive at all. It was only like 20 more dollars a month. Well, the reason for our change at the time was mainly due to me is that... The one thing Verizon loses out on is when you have Roku's and you're not using cable boxes elsewhere, Comcast does have an app that you can use to access your TV content without having a box. And we had it in the basement, upstairs. And it's a really nice thing to have. The problem for Comcast is the internet's so bad that it just, it can't keep your your connection up. So, even if you're going into your Roku's and stuff, it, it's just taking forever to load, so it's kind of becomes worthless at that point. So, in the end, uh, you know, I still have the Roku upstairs and downstairs. I can still access, like, certain apps like ESPN, so if I want to watch sports like the NFL Network, I can without any problems. I just have to go into different apps to do it. Um, Verizon and the high-speed internet's really the way to go. It's the best thing right now. I mean, we we have had them for so long and Comcast just kind of solicited us and came in sweet talk and telling us everything's going to be just as good and yeah we had every channel on the face of the earth and we were fine with that but we only really care about the internet like I, I, like you, I said we lived for how many eight years with just regular yeah. television regular you know your your local te- television channels we didn't care we had that's why we had all these extra add-ons because we weren't even really watching TV. But Verizon came back when we went went back to them, gave us just as good a deal as Comcast, and now we have every channel on the face of the earth except for HBO. Yeah, yeah it's just we we learned very we. You know, unfortunately for Comcast, they had a very short leash. So three months after we started having issues, I was like, no more. I didn't even let them really. I, I gave them one chance to try to fix it. They ended up fixing the internet but fucking up the cable TV. And at that point, I was like, we're done. 
Like, I just didn't want to go anymore because we had had them prior to Verizon and it was a shit show. So, And the only reason we had Comcast because we had DirecTV before that was Noobs was working for Comcast, Comcast yeah. and we only had to pay just like the cable box rental fee and taxes. So our cable bill while he was working there was like $30. It was great. So we, after that happened, we just, we switched to Verizon as soon as the Fios, um, and that's direct, 100% fiber optic. Anyway, we're getting nerdy on you. <laughs> <laughs> we're big nerds. All right, well, today, uh, music-wise, because I know that's all why you're here anyway, uh, brand new stuff from Engulf, uh, Wednesday 13, I got a killer track for now, I'm going to play for you. Chemicide, Lacuna Coil, new stuff, uh, Opeth, new stuff. Um, also got some Netherbird, Belenos, Arib, Altor, uh, and then some Body Farm later on. Great rock segment coming up today. Uh, as always, DJ Neko with her pick of the week. So be looking for that. And we're going to kick it off with some new stuff from Slot Bath. I really enjoyed this record. It's called Rejoined into Chaos.
Hello everybody, this is Mike from Blacksmith Legacy and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Nubis and... DJ Neko. Back with you with the Hordes of Chaos. That was some bloodbath, cancer of the soul. Mm-hmm. Alright. So, I want to talk a little bit about one of my all-time favorite movies. You knew this long ago when we first met. Mm-hmm. Also one of your favorites, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Crow. Brandon Lee, 1994. I recently came across an article, and it was talking about a lot of the talking points that uh, I felt about the movie and still feel about it. Like, it's still timeless. It's still relevant as far as, like, just the overall feel, the subject matter, and how it affects people. Uh, soundtrack is still very cool. It's it was a product of its time. Had all the uh, alternative and grunge stuff. You know, Nine Inch Nails, uh, The Cure, STP. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails, all that stuff. So I don't know. Like the the article started touching on how like they keep trying to find a way to reboot it but they're having a hard time getting any traction which is good for me i don't want them to reboot it i don't know either but eventually it's probably going to happen uh it just will uh i felt the same way about suspiria although in fairness i've found a new way to approach the the new suspiria reboot uh in a different way that treats the classic version so i was able to accept the newer version of suspiria a little better um Something that has to do with uh, Thomas York, the guy who did the soundtrack, who's from Radiohead. It came out really well. Uh, plus, the way that they had done that reboot was a bit differently. So it could have been called anything, just loosely based off Suspiria, which is the way I approach it. It's not a direct copy, which is good. <clears throat> so I can keep them both separate from what they are. But The Crow, they've tried with sequels and TV series to try to play off of you know the original film and it's just very difficult to do because of many reasons one the, the original is a classic but two the underlying circumstances of the film itself with the death of lee and everything else so uh 25 years later it's, it still has an impact i think i it, you know there's many films out there that i really love but still outside of brotherhood and the wolf the crow still remains like my favorite film of all time it just it hasn't nothing's really surpassed it i've had just a lot of them that are pretty good but just not on that level and that's kind of crazy i mean you connected with something so long ago like when the crow came out i was in the ninth grade Mm -hmm. so you got to think about what i was like what 14 maybe right when it came out it's classic 90s you know grunge alternative movie I watched it over and over again almost every afternoon while I was doing my homework it just really and then everything with with the death of Brandon Lee it it just it's got this whole essence about it and the way it's filmed too it's filmed like dark and it's raining you know can't rain all the time but it's (laughs) Just everything about it, it, I can watch it and I feel like watch I the way I did when I watched it for the first time. 
Yeah, you know, the it, the movie is based off a graphic novel by James Obar, which actually I think DJ Neko actually bought for me some years ago, which is very cool. Um, director by, uh, directed by Alex Proyas, who actually went on to do Dark City a few years later, um, which I know is a classic cult piece for other people in that regard. Yeah, you know, it, it is a little bit different, but some people, and probably even myself, have considered the movie actually superior to the graphic novel itself. Uh, again, I don't know if it's just because of everything else that happened with the film itself. You know, it's so, it's so much at play there because of not only with Brandon Lee passing away on set through one of the scenes, but because of Lee and his attack, his legacy with his father Bruce Lee and the the supposed curse and all that so there's a lot at play there with this um, whether you believe in it or not the curse yeah but you know the the film itself I guess resonated with me because it, it it's gonna sound very nerdy to me but that's if I had to do something like that in my own life like if something happened to Neko in that fashion would you come back the that's how I'd want to fucking do it like you but you want you want to come back like looking like Brandon Lee, long hair. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't look like my shit self here. <laughs> You're but. not a shit self. I mean, what's like to be? I gotta be cool, you know. I do. I have to have, have the leather jacket, martial arts experience. You know, I gotta have all that shit. Uh, but no, you know, it's funny thing because you if you go back and you watch some of the interviews that Lee did during the filming of that when he was still alive, he talked about how he saw that movie being basically his breakout film. And it really fucking was, because we've seen some of his movies, and they were cheesy, campy, B-rated action flicks. I mean, really, before, Rapid Fire was, like, the greatest one he had, and that was with Powers Booth and, you know, some other big names, but, you know, The Crow was sort of like his End of the Dragon. He was going to be a big star with this, and... Because I, I think even if he had survived and everything else, like I think that movie would have done real well. Now tell the audience, though, let's explain how... It was an accident how he passed away. He was... They had a stunt person on there who wasn't experienced in firearms and was making their own blanks, but the way that it was loaded and the blank itself was not made properly, it ended up shooting him and it actually had like a projectile in it mm-hmm. and it, it shot into him and he died it was actually wasn't it during that scene where he jumped up on the um table and they all started shooting at no, him no i believe it's the one actually where he's on the ground it's like the flashback scene when they're shooting him in the back um oh okay okay because they obviously you have to understand when they film these movies no matter what it is they film them out of order they don't film them according to how they're set in the movies you see so a lot of things are shot just in different uh, combinations, and they put them together. And, you know, there's a scene, obviously, when his wife is being violated by these guys, and then he walks in, and, of course, uh, they rough him up, and then, of course, the final scene where they shoot him and then throw him out the window. So that's the scene, apparently, where, like, and as she, Neko, pointed out, like, and I think they actually changed the rules of Hollywood and how they handle it. Like, this, at the time, it was like they were basically trying to cut corners with the making their own blanks and stuff, which is part of the problem. They were, you know, trying to save money and everything else. So, 
they cut corners with that and that's of course cost someone their life so from then on it was basically you're not going to be doing that with this kind of stuff it's always there's always got to be a safety person on hand but honestly i just read this article too they're still having problems with stunt protocol uh there was the stunt woman um on the scene of deadpool 2 i believe doing a motorcycle stunt and she died and the family is saying hey you know you are responsible because you did not follow the proper protocol they told her to take off her helmet they told her to do and they believe that if she would have survived or had you know this proper safety that she would have um survived now this is 2000 when was deadpool 2 2018 yeah so this is 24 years after this i mean there are a lot of stunt accidents and it seems like that people are still not learning that see, you have the to funny take thing it is, seriously. Stunt people are crazy anyway because they, they love pushing the boundaries. That's why they are so useful with movies. But at the end of the day, you still have to be cautious and look out for these people. And that's where you really kind of, as a director or whatever, you have to put your foot down and say, look, well, we might like this shot, but we can't do it. It's just unsafe. So, Well, remember we were watching that Patrick Swayze documentary. They were talking about how Patrick Swayze fell in love with the whole idea of jumping out of planes and skydiving. And, and they were nervous about it. They were nervous about it because he started doing it. He, he saw his stunt person doing it, so he would get up every day and go do it because he was always for a thrill. And then they said, you have to stop until filming is done and then he did but he said let me do it and film me and see if i'm better than the stunt person and he did and he all of those scenes when uh, the the end scene where he jumps out uh that's really him it's not the stunt person so yeah and when it works it's great but they that's an example of but those those directors taking the proper like listen Okay. This this is dangerous. A lot of risk involved, mm-hmm. and you know you you have to understand you're also invested in this particular actor or actress, and when they're doing this stuff, it's like, like I said, so when it works, it's great. When it doesn't, you have accidents. it's tragedy, right? So and you, that I think part of that tragedy, and this is kind of sad, but because there was such a, a dark cloud over the movie and so much tragedy. I think that actually like lifted it to this level, the crow I'm speaking of, because you just think, I mean, it's all we talked about when when it happened in high school. Well, it's for it, months. It's it's very the whole everything about it is very similar to the movie itself. Uh, Brandon was engaged at the time, so was Eric Draven, the character, and so for me, especially back then, I saw it like three times in a the theater watching the scenes even the ones they had to kind of like alter a little bit because Lee had already been gone uh, like towards the end when he's kissed Eric Draven's kissing Shelly at the end like you can't help but think of Brandon Lee and his his fiance at the time it's like it resonates so hard with everything so I bet for that was a really tough time for the fiance and people who are friends of Lee family whatever because the movie just reflects upon a lot of the real life stuff there too as well so obviously not all the drugs and gangs and all that other stuff going on but just why things happened the way they did and what it meant so it, it was 
it, it did it lifted a bit. I think the movie would have still been successful, but I don't think it would have been quite the cult that it is now because of all that. I mean, it's sad to say, but, it, you know, obviously it's kind of like when you think of Heath Ledger, you think of the Joker. You don't think about anything else he ever did. You just think that more amazing performance as a Joker. That's what you get out of that. And it's unfortunate he's gone as well, but his character is going to live on as, like, one of the best ever in that comic book series mm -hmm. although Phoenix is being talked about Joker so I haven't seen that yet but I don't think it's going to really sway me so much as it would with Ledger's version because Ledger was just crazy and off the hook I mean you don't, you, you didn't feel that way about Jared Leto's version? No you know <laughs> I didn't I hated it I thought it was it I was liked douchey. the look I liked the I look I didn't I thought it was douchey I thought well I thought he was kind of going back to Caesar, Lam what's the guy's name? The original. I can't remember his last Caesar. Whatever. Yeah, but but no, he was he was more like um, what Joaquin Phoenix is gangster. Yeah. Man. I mean Nicholson was awesome, of course. But, He's uh, my favorite still. It's it's but I like like again I have to look at his version versus Ledger's differently because they're just totally different types. You do have to think about that because remember the Dark Knight comic book series was written in the 90s so this whole dark knight and dark knight rises and these characters are completely different right. than i mean they're not completely different but you you see what i mean like it's a different spin mm -hmm. on batman it came out i believe in the 90s after you know the traditional joker batman you know cesar romero there That's we go it. all right Let's get back to some music here. Uh, in this block, I got the Privateer, Death Angel, and Suicide Tennessees. But here's the Privateer with Wide in the Open.
I'm bored. I'm bored.
Space from Russia and you are listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, so, uh, Neko, as we were talking on our last segment there, uh, During the break. had an interesting theory about the new Joker movie. I don't know anything. This is just what I'm curious about. But it, it makes kind of sense. I mean, the whole discussion about the new Joker movie is how dark it is compared to anything else, uh, just in content. So, she believes that perhaps on some level we haven't seen the movie yet so we can't really say for certain maybe some of you who have can comment or whatever but it's possible this could be a backstory to Heath Ledger's version of uh, the Joker because we were debating like the different types of Jokers that have been out there so and it makes kind of sense because you know here it is the only thing that would be different of course is the Joker in Ledger's version was definitely abused by his father um, I'm not sure that's the case here. I know we know that Phoenix's version of the Joker is being bullied and everything else by society and whatnot. So I don't know if there's like any issues at his house. Like I think he's taking care of his mother at some point, at least from the trailers I can gather. I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting theory because if you're going to compare his Joker for any others, maybe it's closer to Ledger's version than any other one that's out there. You want me to chime in? Sure. It was your theory. <laughs> I was just saying, you, when you see Jack Nicholson's version of Joker, it's kind of the original theory. He's Jack Napier, the gangster who killed Batman's parents. That's how... Kill my parents! You killed my parents! That's how it kind of became this whole, like, arch-nemesis thing. When we, when we flash to, like, the... Dark Knight Rises and that whole series that was, you know, that was written in the 90s. It was after the premise of you know, Jack Napier, so when you see that the, the Dark Knight Rises comic books is what I mean. You, when you see that Joker, it doesn't really have the same, at least from what I remember and from the movies from what I remember, you don't really see that he is the person who killed Batman's parents. You know, Batman's parents died, but you don't see that. It's a maybe a different guy, or maybe it's like, uh, maybe there was another Joker, and this is like a Joker impersonator, and Jack Napier was the person who killed Batman's parents, but he didn't actually turn into the Joker. It's some other guy who knew Jack Napier. It, it just seems all kind of... Uh, inconclusive. Right. So what I was thinking is that this Joker is is an origin story for Heath Ledger's Joker. Kind of, where did we get this, you know, alternate Joker from? And you have to remember, comic books and the whole Batman story lore have been going on for a long time, so there, it's easy to make multiple, multiple movies with different ideas. And the Dark Knight comic books and the Dark Knight TV show that was a com was a, a comic um, that came out much later than the original Batman. So you can take something to a different 
you know, story arc, basically, and, and look at things differently. So that's, that was all I was saying. I think Joker, the, this Joker is more of an origin story for the Heath Ledger version of Joker, because we saw the origin story of Jack Napier. We saw that he was in organized crime, and it was, he was set up by one, by his boss, basically. And that's how that went bad. And then he basically got poisoned and disfigured from a chemical spill. This is different. You heard Heath Ledger saying, you know, he was abused by his father. How did I get these scars on my face? Well, I put a razor blade in my mouth. And it's different. It's like a, a completely different person. And that's why I'm thinking this Joker by Joaquin Phoenix is most likely an origin story for Heath Ledger. I don't know. I haven't yeah, read we, up we on it to, or anything. Well, we have to see the movie to really make any final determination on that regard. But interesting theory regardless. Um, so next block, I've got some brand new stuff from Wednesday 13, Chemistry and Lacuna Coil. I wanted to talk a little bit about Wednesday 13. I love my shirt. Yeah. You know, basically it's a shock rock band that's been around for a little while. I didn't care so much for the last record, but the one before that, I really love a lot. And then, of course, the new one, I really love a lot, too. Uh, not to the sense that it's, like, one of my albums of the year, but there's a lot of great tracks on it. Plus, it has guest appearances with Alice Cooper and Christina Scabia from the aforementioned Lacuna Coil. So, uh, very cool. And then they do also a nice cover of Wasp, Animal Fuck Like a Beast. So, do they really? Yeah. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. I'll probably be introducing that couple episodes down the road or something as one of our cover tracks that we do to kick off our shows but very cool stuff uh we did see them with static x who might miss static x but did catch wednesday 13 fucking amazing live it was better than i thought it would ever be uh he found a way <laughs> the singer to like sing but he had like a mask that he had on backwards, so he, sometimes he would turn his head and sing towards that's right, the drummer. That's right, that's right, And he would think that he was singing to, like, you, but he, just the face of his back of his head was there, so it was, it was pretty whacked, but, it, you know, this guy lives for the horror stuff, so... Here's my shirt, remember? It's the cat yep. shirt. Pussy killer. Pussy killer. So anyway, uh, great live, like I said, um... But the track I selected was interesting because out of all the tracks on the record, this one caught me a little bit surprised because it reminds me a lot of Devin Townsend. Just the way that it's composed, written, and even though the vocals don't sound like Devin, uh, everything else about it has that Devin feel. So I don't know if they're at all influenced by Townsend's music or not. Maybe it's just an accident, a happy accident, but it came out really nice. Uh, it's definitely my favorite track from the record. And you're going to hear it now. It's called Life Will Kill Us All.
Radio. Oh yeah, Christina Scavia is still top of her game there. Brand new stuff from Lacuna Coil, Reckless. What'd you think? I loved it. I always put out some good shit. Always I've always, yeah, I was gonna say I've always been a pretty big fan of Lacuna Coil ever since you introduced them to me. I um, I mean, this is years ago when we first met. They've we, been around for a long time. I mean, probably 2002 when we first met. You introduced me to them, and I'm like, they're so good. Like, and I think Evanescence was like super big right then. And I'm like, they're she sings way better. And why aren't they like? It's always been like, I, I don't throw a lot of shade at Amy Lee or Evanescence because they're not bad on their own right. Mm-hmm. But like, when it comes to like that style of rock and metal, like, I always felt that Kuna Cole deserved a spotlight more than them because one, they've been around longer than Evanescence and they're just a better overall band than Evanescence to me. Uh, Amy Lee's got a great voice, obviously. There's some stuff that, from them that I do enjoy, but. Christina, man, I've seen him live with the Clinical and this, of course, has been years. I've seen him a couple of times, OzFest, and then I saw him at Jack's. We saw him at Jack's, yeah. So, I mean, they're really good live. I miss Jack's. God, that place was awesome. I don't know if she's still doing it, but Christina, like, on one of their tours, like, she had, like, she had dyed her hair, like, white. It was, like, what? Yeah, it was insanely cool. Uh, and of course they've got a little bit darker look they've kind of gotten heavier voice like vocally the male vocals are much deeper now than they used to be is it the same male singer? that I'm not sure I think he is still there but I'm not sure but either way the music still it's heavier they, they got to a point like midway through the 2000s where they were kind of doing the whole bubblegum mainstream stuff like a little bit too much and I was kind of like losing interest but then they started to get back to what they were doing before uh, like with Comalize and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I was going to say, was, is one of our favorites. Yeah. All right, so we got a rock block coming up. The Red Black. Which features DJ Necklace Pick of the Week. It's a pretty good one this week, no doubt about it. Although I've gotten word from fellow friends. They really love your segments and your choices, so. Thank you. Yeah. That's because I'm so cool. She's so cool, man. You know, I am, even though I am old and I have to wear my glasses all of the time. That's where I am now, too. Like, I can't see shit without them. Up close. Far away, I can see you fine. Up close, can't see shit. No, I was told I need to wear my glasses. Yeah, well, all we're gonna. We're gonna. Of we're gonna. The time. We're gonna get to that later. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be fun. Uh, so in the rock block, I've got some Uriah Heap, Arctic Sleep, Kiss, classic stuff from them, Steel Panther as well, mm-hmm. Buff Lorenzen. But here's some Uriah Heap, brand new, well, I want to say brand new, it's more recent for them. It's called Water Flowing. Digging this track a lot. Check it out.
was down by the waters flowing.
Kale Panther's getting DJ Necker in the mood. She's like doing stretches here now. <laughs> back on the Hordes of Chaos, we're in the mix of our. Rock uh, Black! Yeah, something like that. Steel Panther, now the fun starts. I Two in the pink Pan and one in stink. I love Steel Panther they're great. because they're so funny, but like they're not. They're not doing a crappy job. No. Do you know what they're I mean? They're very talented. What they're they're doing. very, very talented. They're they're not just like out there. It's real guitarist. It's a real singer. But it's it's meant to be funny. Okay. Well, but they they they're not just being funny for the sake of funny. They're doing it in a way that would actually be presented by an actual glam rock band. Oh right? yeah. And I've heard from people who've actually seen them live that they're amazing live, so I have to catch them at least one time in my lifetime to do see what they do. Oh, but, we haven't seen them, have we? Uh, and they've been through a few times, so gotta make sure I make a show. Anyway, we're at that point now for DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. That's so right. I'm going to leave it up to her to explain what it is and why it is. So, it was hard for this particular band because... They're absolutely one of my most favorite bands ever. 
I mean, I was just joking with Anubis, like, could I just put every song and do, like, an entire podcast? This week's pick is ACDC, Long Way to the Top. Now, my, one of my favorite karaoke songs and songs in general is You Shook Me All Night Long. And I didn't pick that one in particular because I have been listening and re-listening to Long Way to the Top over and over again because I am a, I'm a dance teacher when I'm home from being on the ship and I am desperate to do a dance to Long Way to the Top. I think it would be awesome. I think I could make it work. And I, I teach tap dancing, so I think it would be really awesome kind of infusing the tap songs with, you know, hard rock riffs, and it would just be perfect. So this week's pick is inspired by my choreography and my ideas as a dance teacher. So I, ACDC, Long Way to the Top, Neko's Pick of the Week. And here we go. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
Here's Patrick from the Canadian Festival of the Reanimators, and you're listening to Middle Tavern Radio. I have accepted Get out of my way! Alright, DJ Newis and DJ Neko back with you with the Hordes of Chaos. Hordes of Chaos. So, got a couple of trailers to talk about. Uh, one of them's actually uh, sort of piggybacking off of the Joker stuff from DC Comics. Uh, 2020 film called Birds of Prey. It actually features Harley Quinn, Margaret Robbie, who portrayed that character in Suicide Squad. And based off the premise of it's actually... They, t- they say a lot of these DC movies are all part of the same universe, but they're... Unfortunately, a lot of them are so badly written that I just I, they're not as fluent, I guess, as the Marvel stuff. But nevertheless, uh, this takes place after Suicide Squad, and at this point, Hollywood Quinn has decided to leave the Joker, which probably makes sense because I don't think that uh, what's his face who portrayed him is even doing any, any more films with that character anyway. So that's how good that shit works out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Harley Quinn was the most interesting character of Suicide Squad, so I'm kind of glad they're doing something with it, although I wish it was a little bit more just her, but she is the main focal point, but it also involves, like, three other female, uh, superhero characters, basically, portrayed by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's actually a very good actress, uh, she was in, what was it, 10... Cloverfield Lane, mm-hmm. which we saw, and she was in uh, the Black Christmas remake. I like a lot, so not a bad actress. Also got Janae Smollett Bell, Rosie Perez. She's back in the game. Uh, Chris I love Messina. Rosie Perez. Yeah, and actually has uh, Ellen McGregor portraying Black Mass, which is kind of cool. So good uh, cast. Uh, the trailer, you know, I'm still kind of trying to warm up to it because I, I don't know much about it, so. Uh, this is the area where, like, I'm just not that familiar with this type of comic and what it all means, but I do like the character of Harley Quinn a lot, even from the... Obviously, you mentioned that they didn't really use her in the Christian Bale series, so I thought that was kind of surprising, but nevertheless, uh, I'm digging it. I'm going to probably see this anyway, because I do like that character. Should be interesting. Um, the other... Um, trailer is coming out on Netflix for a movie called Six Underground. Uh, the biggest name in here is, of course, uh, Ryan Reynolds, who plays Deadpool in that particular series. Uh, basically, there's American vigilantes that are, you know, doing their business out there, and it just looks badass. The only drawback or a hesitancy on my part is it's directed by Michael Bay and if you've known him he does a lot of those Transformer films and a lot of them are trash so <laughs> take it or leave it for what it's worth um, but according to the trailer that I've seen for this it looks pretty fucking good that was a really I mean I don't even know what the the actual premise is besides that they are vigilantes and they're quote unquote going underground but right. just I love a good action flick, and that's what this looks like it's going to be. It's just going to be lots of action, lots of, I mean, some of the, the fight scenes like, that they showed in the trailer were pretty wild. And it looks like Ryan Reynolds is just being Ryan Reynolds. He's got his, like, little one-liners and stuff, so it should be interesting, and, you know, he'll probably carry the film, which makes sense. Um, what did you think of Birds of Prey? I don't know. I'm not really 
super interested. I mean, Suicide Squad. God, that was such a letdown. It w- that's what I mean. It was such a letdown. We watched the trailer over and over again, and I, I can't even remember what the fucking movie was about. That's how bad it was. I'm like... I, I watched it again the other day. You saw it when I was towards the end of the movie, but like... There are things about it I do like. There are certain things and certain aspects. Obviously, Hillary Clinton's the best part about it, but like I keep trying to really want to like it, but there are just there's a lot of flaws in it as well, and I just that's the hardest part about it is that. And then you find out that DC kind of like got cold feet, or maybe it was the Warner Brothers who put it together, like. They rewrote it. Right. Like, they they went back and they reshot scenes and they were trying to compete with Deadpool being that, like, R-rated... And that's the thing, like... You don't need to compete. It was nothing like Deadpool. Well, and even if it was, like, from what I understand, it was actually a much darker film, which would have worked for me, personally, because... You are talking about bad guys who are trying to do some good. Yeah, they're, they're... the baddest guys locked and girls locked up in Arkham, mm-hmm. coming together to, you know, face a bigger super evil, and that's all you really need to know. But it just it missed on so many levels. It, it could have been amazing. Yeah, and I, they stripped it and they candy coated it and they just kind of ruined it in a lot of ways as well. So I just the funny thing is when it comes to DC, like outside of the the bail stuff and maybe the. Uh, the stuff with like uh, Keaton and Nicholson and all that, it just really misses the mark. Like they can't seem to get on the right path to make this universe work. Um, I mean so much so that they you know, they're better off putting Spider Man back with the MCU, which we talked about last episode. Like Spider Man is like one of their characters, but it's actually better off with the MCU and Marvel because they know what they're fucking doing with the whole fucking thing. They know how to put it together, they know how to make them all connect. And it just, it comes out way better. Like, they just can't seem to do that, though, with this stuff. Now, Wonder Woman has potential, obviously. Uh, They're going to have a Wonder Woman 1984 coming out soon. I still haven't seen Wonder Woman. This is what I mean. Like, I I feel like... The only thing I didn't like about that one, the first one, was the end. Like, the concept is good. It's just the believability about it all just kind of, I don't know, doesn't work for me. But you'll see it at some point, I'm sure. Maybe. Uh, is Deadpool DC? Was he Marvel? Marvel. He's Marvel. So yeah. So either way, like I think right now going forward, Harley Quinn's probably their best bet if you're gonna bet anything DC. She's probably the thing to lean on right now. Uh, and Wonder Woman. So go figure. The two lady leading ladies are the ones that are actually the best part about that universe. A lot of people like Harley Quinn. Yeah. Like, and she was in the in the Batman the animated series Dark Knight show from the 90s she was awesome Mm -hmm. and the one thing i liked about that animated series is they really did hone in on all the arkham characters like they you know they had croc in um suicide squad and that was all in the animated series so i maybe because i watched that when i was a kid and a teenager i'm like oh this is you know we're gonna get some new villains that arkham wasn't really focused on and I'm not even sure if it existed in old Batman so when they're trying to bring in like the new you know they even did it in the the 
Christian Bale Batmans, they had a little Arkham in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like hoping watching Suicide Squad, I'm like, oh, these, you know, I remember Batman fighting this guy, and I remember Harley Quinn, and I remember her with with Joker, and this, and that. It was just, like, a huge letdown. Like, it... I... They all have, like, really cool backstories, and mm-hmm. you have these... I mean, it's a big cast, so you can't really dive into that, I mean, it, without making it a five-hour movie, but... It was just a big... Which is what I talked about with King of the Monsters. Mm. That you disagreed so heartily with it. No, I didn't disagree with that. I disagreed with... The human plot. The humans, but... The that, fucking humans. The, the humans, they just... They tried to... Too many humans, not enough monsters. Anyway. But that that's what I mean. Like, it was just... I just it was writing, I think, with Suicide Squad. They, yeah. they had all these really interesting characters that... I mean, some of the flashbacks are good. Um, I like the flashback parts better than the actual right. scenes. Yeah, like, you know, Harley has a good flashback with her and the Joker in a car and Batman chasing him, etc., etc. And then, of course, uh, Deadshot with his young daughter. Uh, Will Smith is probably the closest second you know, as far as the interesting characters in there. Uh, one they didn't really touch on too much is the Asian samurai chick. Um, although I think when I watched it on TV the other night, they actually cut out a lot of the flashback scenes, which kind of stupid because it doesn't really make sense when you're watching it without that because you don't really have any of the backstories to go on. And that really kind of, if you're just watching it while it's skipping around, you don't understand why the characters are there and what their issues are, etc., uh, a couple of the other characters in there from early on, like one of the guys dies really fast. I can't remember his name. He's the one that gets his head blown up. But some of them weren't needed. Um, I think it was a Killer Croc. He's interesting. Um, obviously, Boomerang is cool. So I, I don't know. There's some cool characters. They just kind of missed the beat, as Neko said. They, their writing wasn't as strong as it should have been. And whatever they did with the rewrite fucked it all up. Uh, if it was actually darker originally, that's what they should have stuck with, because you are again dealing with actual villains who are trying to be good, and what they basically did was just skip and gloss over a lot of this other stuff that they've done, and they did try to portray it a little bit, but not as much as they should have, so not sure what to expect from Birds of Prey, but we'll be interesting to see what happens anyway. Back to some music. Uh, next block, we'll have some Dragon Lord Misery Index, but we're going to kick it off with some brand new Opeth. This is called Next of Kin. I like Opeth. Yes.
Misery Index, Rituals of Power, for an earliest release. DJ Nubis. And DJ, DJ Neko. And Miss Kitty, who's not very happy at the moment. She's his tipping. Yeah. You want to talk to the people? You want to talk to the people? Yeah. Okay, that's about what you're going to get. So, uh... Meow. Speak it to the mic. Say hi, Miss Kitty. That's about what? That's all we're going to get. Yeah. Here, lay up here, baby. Cats never do anything on demand. or just... Oh, there you go. There she is. Ooh, can you hear her hiss? (laughs) Ooh, And her boss. And a hairball. She's old. So let's get back to DJ Neko. Back to me? Yeah. We, we need to discuss some things. Uh, let's go back to the whole, like... <laughs> <laughs> she still smells Mickey, and he's not even here anymore. Our cat Mickey passed away how many months ago? April? Yeah. And she's still... But Mickey, his stink apparently. Is yeah, still Mickey. Around. Mickey loved being down here with Anubis, and we only had him for a short time. We adopted him. He was an old man. He was about fifteen, and he he and Anubis just bonded really quickly. And he was my buddy. He was. He loved. He would sit with him. To get and Miss Kitty didn't really like him. And if we kept them separated, it was fine. But. If they both wanted to be in the living room together, it turned into Thunderdome. And it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> Mickey, it was Miss Kitty. And she's, I don't know, she's pushing a good 17 to 20 pounds. She's a big old fatty. And she, I've never seen her run so fast in my life. So anyway, she's down here all pissed off because she smells Mickey now. Yeah, she's, she's contemplating because she wants to be around us. But then, like, she doesn't want to stink because she thinks he's still around. And he's been gone for a while. Like, the floor has been mopped. But they were separated for months, so she got used to the idea he was down here all the time. She would never come down here. Now she's venturing, trying to see if he actually exists, but she still smells him, so whatever. Anyway. Anyway, back to Neko. Back back to me. Uh, We already talked about the whole zit thing. The whole zit thing? And the craziness with that. (laughs) But, uh, so... The other night, Neko, like, gives me this riddle, right? So Riddle me this. It's supposed to determine whether or not you're a psychopath. I don't know how they really figured that out, but... I, I, it's not an exact, like... Science? Yeah, it's not, like, you're a psychopath, guaranteed, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a joke, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the riddle is, there is this woman... And she is at her mother's funeral. While she's at her funeral, you know, all of the family and friends are there, but she meets a man that she doesn't know. And apparently this man, she knows it's the love of her life. But she didn't get his name or his phone number, email address, nothing. She spoke with other family members and said, you gotta help me. I, I need to meet this guy. And they're like, we have no idea who you're talking about. So, a few days later, she decides that she's going to kill her sister. Why would she kill her sister? Now, see, me, to me, it's I'm pretty like, obvious. But yeah, but to me, I'm like, well, I don't get it. What, what's the deal? Why she killed the sister? I'm thinking, is it the sister's husband? No. Because she didn't know. She didn't know the guy. Really. Right. So then, like, 
I go, well, just tell me. And then she told me, and I started laughing. But then I'm like, you are fucking morbid. <laughs> the answer is because she hoped that that guy would, draw would come to, to her funeral. sister's funeral. Now. Psychopath. I'm not a psychopath. I just... Oh, really? Let's dive down the, the oh well, shall God. we? When I first met her, okay... And a few weeks afterwards, I get mm -hmm. I get the whole spiel about, you know, well, you know, if you fuck me over, I know how to fucking kill you. And she's like... And get away with it. Yeah, and just take, like, some ice cubes and shove them down your throat till you choke to death, and then, like, the ice will melt away and the evidence is gone. And they wouldn't even think anything of it because... And then just now, she's, like, telling me, I've got a couple new ways I can do shit. And I'm like, this is, this is my wife, okay? I don't think of these things. She does. I've also learned how to set fire to the house without any trace. Right. So, I'm not a psychopath. I, <laughs> I, I'm actually a little offended because I couldn't hurt anything or anyone. Yeah, she, she really can't. <laughs> if she went to hurt me, I'd just pick up a cat. She'd be like, "Oh, I can't do anything." I don't even. I don't even kill bugs. That's because you're afraid of bugs. No, I'm not afraid of bugs. Yes, I'm the, you are. I'm the one who cleaned out the the basement cellar. Yeah, but I get one crawling around, you're like, ah, I just can't get it. And I'm like, no, you get it. Just take a paper towel and crush I, well, it. But see, I don't want to squish it. I don't want it to die. I want it to go back outside. Yeah. Let it live outside. Yeah, I'm like, it needs to go away. Doesn't need to be in here. Doesn't need to be here. Beneath. And spiders, I don't even care. They can be in the house because Look, I don't care eat, about spiders. The spiders will eat the other bugs. As so. long as they're not like coming down on our webs in front of my face like they like to do. Well, I told you when I was cleaning out the, the stairwell out back, apparently in this area in Maryland, it is prime cricket season. It's always a fall. But, then, like, like, the they, orb weavers come out, too. They said this year it's mega cricket, and it was mega crickets. There were crickets all over our backyard, but there were probably 15 to 20 spiders in the basement stairwell too outside of our house like in the outdoors and i was cleaning it out you know fall leaves etc and i'm like holy crap there are a ton of spiders large spiders down here and the reason why is because all the crickets are down there and they're like ooh, free buffet and but i didn't run around like a little bitch go ah That's you. Yeah, I don't fuck with spiders. Mm -mm. She's like, I cleaned up the stairwell. Like, oh, that's good, because I was never going to do it. <laughs> I I was outside doing some cleanup. It needed to be done. It's like the dungeon of doom down there. It really is. I, I don't understand the, the design of these houses, because they're all like that. It's like you walk down this tiny, narrow, steep stairwell, which could probably propel your, you to your death. I mean, think about it. Go, mm. whoa. We never use it, ever. We've never used it. I, I never let anybody in through there. It's, yeah, no, no. So anyway, more with Neko. Oh, my God. We got, Why more with me? Because you're the topic of the day. Jesus Christ. So, Jesus Christo. Yeah, so uh, when we got our glasses, I know we talked a little bit about this, like, last episode, but... She was getting her glasses. <laughs> she got age shamed by the doctor. <laughs> uh, so I uh, was I was told by the doctor that 
You are almost 40. You need to wear your glasses all of the time. How often are you wearing your glasses? Not wearing them all the time, are you? I can see you. When you when you have your glasses on, you can see very well. You see everything. You take your glasses off, you squint your eyes, and then you crane your neck, and you're trying to see. You can't do that. You have to protect what you have. It's only going to get worse as you get older. Yep. I saw her that the other night, that Chili's. I was like, she goes, I'm not squinting. And she tried to get all sassy and shit. And I said, take off your glasses. And she's like... <laughs> It's like Chinese, you know? Oh my god, that was very racist. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to be racist, but that's kind of how your squints look. So. My squints... Look, look, I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly... <laughs> I'm fine. I'm really fine. I just took off my glasses. Force her eyes open wide as you can. I just took off my glasses. But she has two versions of the squints. One is just from the reading, but two is when she gets hammered. Like, I mean, seriously hammered. Hammer time. It squints. And uh, that's when you know shit's going to get real. <laughs> shit's getting real. All right. Uh, one other topic we want to talk about today was um, a friend of ours. Uh, I've actually known Lou Yardley for a very long time. Are you trying to say she's a psychopath, too? No, not at all. <laughs> well, you know, you don't know. Like, she's an author now. She's a very talented author. And she writes horror and stuff like this, so, you know, she very well could be a psychopath. I don't Maybe know. she just is creative like me and can figure out Oh, a that's what it is. It's like, if you're fucking nuts as a woman, you're just creative. Yeah. If you're a man, you're a fucking serial killer. That's how it goes. You're not a serial killer. I say she... I was. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Uh, backstory with Lou, she was part of Luther Speaks, which was like a webzine she was doing probably 10 years ago now, really, I think, and, uh, she was always writing articles and promoing, you know, new up-and-coming underground metal bands and whatnot, especially in the black metal genre. Uh, she was part of a forum through another young lady I know from the UK, uh, named Jasmine, who was running Headbangers Haven. It was, a metal form at the time and that's kind of how I met both of them uh, after Headbangers Haven went down they created the actual original Middle Tavern uh, form under that moniker so they were both running that asked me to be a moderator at the time which I gladly did for them and this has been a while this yeah. is maybe 8 to 10 years ago easily and eventually I think they just kind of lost because, you know, forums are now are kind of, like, at the end of their cycle. I mean, they're still out there, and, like, we have a Metal Tavern forum for us now, but it's just mainly for the diehards that are still around that like to talk about random shit, people who have grown friendly with each other over the internet for years. Uh, Lou and Jasmine are both part of that, but I don't see them quite often because they're, of course, doing their own things now. Uh, Lou, though, has moved on to writing books, and it's very cool. She's got her own She's got website. 13 um, books under her belt as as of today. Yeah. Uh, you can find her at louyardley.com. It's L-O-U-Y-A-R-D-L-E-Y.com. Uh, I've actually just recently bought her latest one, Hellhound, which is getting some really great reviews. Even some of the other books she's had are pretty reviewed pretty well, so... It's in the horror genre. And I've, I've downloaded a few of them to my Kindle, so the next time I'm out, I'll have plenty of... Some of them are, are very... You can t- are horror-like, mm-hmm. and then others are more like... 
uh, like mystery mur- yeah murder yeah. mystery yeah. and so I Hellhound is what you purchased like the hard copy I also downloaded that one and I also ordered the other downloaded the other's voice and the other's bleak reflection yeah Hellhound um obviously deals with werewolves and that's as people have been knowing for a while now that's when it comes to horror I love werewolves and werewolf movies uh, obviously it's always dependent on the type of werewolves and whatnot but uh, book wise I usually search out for stuff for werewolves and obviously she has one now that's based on that and some of these are actually short stories too um, like the one I really want to read like immediately because it's a short story is called Wasted Time. It's about time travel. So if you go to her website, you can just look at all of her. Gives a brief synopsis of each book and what it's about. And then this here, she had it uh, published on Theme of Absence, which is an online magazine of horror and science fiction. And um, it was published in 2017, Wasted Time. I'm going to read this like immediately because I love any I love time travel I love thinking about oh well let's let's think let's go back and think about oh can we stop 9-11 could we stop the Nazis could we stop this and then you're like okay but maybe if we didn't would there be something worse or what kind of like consequences change one thing you change something yeah is it is it better or is it worse so I, I love I love thinking about things like that. So I'm definitely going to read that tonight because it's just a short story. It's not a, so she has some short stories and some books. So I'll say 13 published works, right. not 13 books. I'm sorry about that, but yeah, I'm reading theme of, of the uh, wasted time immediately because I didn't realize I could just read it online. I, I downloaded quite a few of her books and bought them. Um, the other day so and Anubis bought he loves werewolves that's why he and he's also I have a Kindle and I I might actually upgrade to the paper white because I think it's just easier to read but I am more of a book person like I want a physical paperback or hardback in my hand but when you're traveling you can't pack like 22 books it's just not possible so Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I will get the paper white. I'll see if there's any sales. Maybe there's. I think like, they think they are because I think I got mine on sale recently. So I think there is like a bit of. Well, a, we got the um, fire for me a couple of years ago, and um, I like it. And I really don't use it as a quote-unquote tablet. I just use it to read my books. And every a lot of the people that I travel with, they purchased regular Kindle paper whites without all the the bells and whistles and. They seem to really like the look. Like reading it is almost like reading an actual piece of paper. And I'm gonna look into that. But we're really proud of Lou. Oh yeah. And we're definitely. really excited that she's got some published works. I mean, she's even got like merchandise now that she sells for people that are a fan of her stuff. She's had coffee cups and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see people that you know expanding themselves and finally uh you know branching out with their own imagination and creativity so i'm really proud of her for what she's done Ooh, i might need to buy this she has a signed paperback (gasps) i know someone famous i know somebody famous now i will say this Uh, she's also one of the 
probably the only one so far across the water that has actually had an actual bracelet made from Bottle Cassidy. That's right. She was one of the very first to uh, get one, so it was kind of cool that she was one of our first customers, per se. I think we actually just gave we it just to gave her. We just gave it to her. Yeah. But, uh, I'm yeah. bad like that. I just, I don't charge my friends. I'm yeah. like, you want a hair bow? Do you want shit. this? Yeah. You want earrings? Sure. But, uh, check it out. Uh, if you're into books, horror stuff, uh, she's apparently doing very well, getting some good reviews. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading Hellhound. I've been telling her for about months now that I was going to do it. Finally broke down and bought it. Uh, I don't use Kindles or anything like that, so otherwise I would have done it that way, but I am more of a, a paperback kind Ooh, of look, guy. look, this Rise of the Carnivores yeah. signed. I think that's down That's here. probably the next one I'm going to read. That, that's point. right up your alley. Dinosaurs or mm-hmm. some shit like that. So. She will personally sign each copy. If you would like a special message, please let... you got to ask for a special message. <laughs> well, I don't think it's coming directly from yeah. her. Yeah. All copies of Rise of the Carnivore. Well, no, I'm talking about the other one I got. Oh, I yeah, I think you got that through through Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. So, but I know Lou appreciates it. She told me so, so I'm happy, happy for her. I'm happy and very proud of her. She's been working very. And hard. I like that because I know she loves black metal. Mm-hmm. We've got a block of some new black metal stuff out there. All good stuff. Netherbird, Belenos. Uh, from
from such sites as Lucifer Speaks, Metal Buddy and Metal Tavern. Uh, you may also be aware of my plans for world domination. If you would like to become one of my minions, please send a small down payment, a bottle of rum, and give me your soul. Oh yeah, you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio, but more specifically, Haunted of Chaos with the awesome DJ Nubis. Stay tuned for more metal and...
DJ Newiz and DJ Neko back with you with the Hordes of Chaos on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Mortification scrolls to the Megalon. I really like that song, actually. You saw me when I was like coming down the steps. I was like, you know. Creepy, creepy, creepy. creepy. <laughs> Alright, so pretty good episode. Had a lot of fun, as usual. I felt personally attacked. <laughs> I really did. Like Neko felt under fire. I mean, you're calling me a psychopath, number mm. one. You're telling me that I am disgusting for liking my pimple popping, number mm-hmm. two. I'm old, number three. It's just, this entire episode was pick on Neko episode, so I don't know. You know, it's actually okay because all the other episodes... And I keep hearing the feedback is that you're busting on my ass about certain things. So this time it's a little bit to get Neko time. No, I don't ever bust on you. I love you. Oh, yeah, right. You're my husband. Yeah, let's talk about those sharks again, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? <laughs> <Big pussy. Everyone> wa- <laughs> Every <laughs> once in a while, 
Neko deserves some of this love that I'm throwing at her today. All right. We're about ready to head out of here. Appreciate all you checking in, checking this shit out. Thank you so much for listening every week, as always. Yeah, thanks for tolerating us. <laughs> Cheers, motherfuckers. This is some new Body Farm. This is one of our friends Herman's favorite bands. Oh, Herman. Yeah, he was talking about Body Farm. Oh, yeah. Laters.